Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argyris and this week I'm looking for the best short story. Uh, yep. Can you hear that, Litheads? That's hesitation. That's, that's Let's see. That's Nick. Let me just Not see totally here as sure. Ian puts it in the chat. Uh, uh-huh. By Flannery O'Connor. Lover. Good. Uh, and to help me, of course, are two high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. Hi, Nick. I'm Joe. I brought a short story by Flannery O'Connor. The confidence Nick, in your I voice. Brought, yes, yes, yes. I brought a short story by Flannery O'Connor. I brought I probably the only short story I had ever heard of from hers called A Good Man is Hard to Find. Written in 1953, this baby clocks in at a whopping 13. Pages. Well, why don't you just read it to us, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's actually the notes that I have prepared. So, um, oh, nice. <laughs> A full cast recording featuring Joe as everything. <laughs> hello, Litheads. Hello, Nick. And a very special yellow hello to Joe Holshue, my co-host oh, on this episode. Yeah, I know yellow. Yellow. Mm. My name is Dr. Ian DeYoung. I'm a high school English teacher. And today, if you are looking through the laundry pile for one of Flannery O'Connor's shorts. <laughs> bloomers. I'd I think they're bloomers when a girl wears them. I'd recommend her award-winning story, Everything That Rises Must Converge. Ian, do you know the most friendly color? Oh, uh, Yellow. Okay. Oh, I thought you were going to give me something really cool out of like ad science and color theory no. and like people are drawn to no, this. No, no. Just a... No, it was a joke. Just, it was a stupid, bad joke. Is it okay. a joke if nobody laughs? <laughs> uh, that, that's oh, a I Cohen. Laugh. They call that a Zen Cohen. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. Gentlemen, okay, so this is what I know about our our, our author today. She's highly problematic. <laughs> <laughs> can I? Can I? Can I? Um, can I just say something? So, if, uh, the two actual high school English teachers will give this more context because I am mm-hmm. incapable. Yes. Right, Nick is speaking <laughs> off the cuff here, <laughs> but it sounds like there's some uh, some uh, things that did not age well in terms of uh, our author. But can I just say on a broader note, can can we still talk about it? Yeah. I think it's that's good dialogue. I don't need to live in an echo chamber. I'd like to hear about some problematic people. Maybe learn from it. Maybe grow. Mm. What are you two high school English teachers shaping the future of uh, the world thing? America. Well, just America. Well, they could be Let's international students, maybe. Sure. Maybe they move. Or maybe to they'll a, go to a different yeah, country. Maybe they could, like, they're definitely going to go to a different country. Yeah. <laughs> go to a vacation to like Switzerland, right? Or or the Netherlands, which is a, apparently a lovely place to vacation. Yeah. Start a better life in, in the in so many other better countries. Yeah. I mean, Belgium <laughs> is another. That sounds like a good one too. 
You know, if I wasn't Joe, do allowed, you have any countries that the one, could no, go. I was just thinking of this problematic. Joe, thing. Joe, would you like to buy some time by naming countries? <laughs> I wasn't really listening to you two. I was, <laughs> I just heard like the Netherlands. I, you know what I was thinking though is if I wasn't allowed to learn something from somebody that's problematic, I don't think I could learn anything from like my dad or my uncles right. or like like I think that I've learned a lot from problematic <laughs> people. Let's name them. Let's count <laughs> down our family members who we couldn't learn <laughs> from. Problematic family members. They're problematic. Right, we're not allowed to learn from non from problematic people. Well, I think I think part of the difficulty with with O'Connor is that you know the the names Hemingway and Faulkner are kind of huge. They're huge names in in the Southern Gothic tradition uh, in in Southern literature tradition, and especially Faulkner. And she's like up there with Faulkner. She's one of the ones that that people refer to as as a great American author. So it's not just that I th- and I'm playing devil's advocate here. I could totally agree with you guys, but I think part of the deal with O'Connor is. Everyone, she is, she's an amazing writer. Her stories are literature with a capital lit. Wow. And so. It's the name of the show. And so the question of, (laughs) do we keep teaching her? (laughs) Fuck, write that down. (laughs) I'm always surprised at what gets Nick. I I just say whatever dumb shit. (laughs) That's our name. Um, (laughs) Wait. uh, Okay. So to be clear. Excellent writer. Yeah. Yes. Capital L. I like, but I don't know anything like, about the, the issue. About her about her cancelable issue. Well, I think we're gonna get into that. Um today for the, the big this evening. Yes. Okay. I think we'll or get into morning. that later in the show. Okay, fair enough. Um but but just to, to wet your whistle a little yeah. bit, to spoil a little bit. Ooh. Um she uh she writes these stories that are kind of critical of narrow-minded southern people she kind of draws attention to southern provincialism in her published work and some of her private letters are say uh, things like i didn't like to sit next to that black person in the class that made me uncomfortable which i mean on the one hand I, I, uh, honesty is a good thing on the other hand we have this divide between her brilliant writing which is kind of anti-racist a lot mm-hmm. of some of it a good amount of it and then her private life which seems to be uh complex well well, okay so i and one of the things i didn't realize is you know we had heard of flannery o'connor short stories it's a name that's been kicking around in my life for a long time i didn't realize just how well studied and how uh influential her letters were right like like um also I just realized today when they call somebody a man of letters or like when they say like, oh, he's like a classic of American letters. She's a classic of American letters. Ian, I'm directing this question only at you. Do they actually mean their correspondence? Like, is that what they're talking about or no? I I think, yeah, I'll answer this I love that. I I don't know, but I love that back formation. (laughs) I love that back formation that when we say a man of letters or a a woman of letters, a person of letters, they are fancy enough that we have collected their letters and studied their letters because yeah. their letters matter too. Yep. On board. It could just mean right. that they're, they're good at letters. You heard it. Yeah. Here yeah. No, I do think that may be at the actual origin of it. <laughs> there was a crossword clue today. That was something along like the, like these are the first 26 things that you learned in kindergarten. And it's, it was ABCs. ABCs yeah, was the fill. Right. So, oh, so and, my and nephew just, Lincoln, um, a man of letters, a man of letters. Speaking, speaking <laughs> of, uh, speaking of spoiling things, I would like to start a new uh, tradition yeah. here where I spoil uh, today's wordle. Um, <laughs> of course, of course, this will be last course, this week's is coming wordle. Out several days later. So I'll just let you know today's wordle is heavy 
Wait, wait, Sorry, guys. Do you have a different Wordle than us? That was not our Wordle today, Ian. I did pay for premium premium Wordle, which is very easy. I don't think premium Wordle is a thing. I think Ian is on some weird... Premium Wordle is the... Oh, you do Wordle Plus. Wordle Plus is the same five words. That's a Peacock affiliate. you feel amazing because you have... This great streak. Uh, well, welcome, Litheads, to You Don't Know Lit, a <laughs> weekly, or as we call it, Strongly Podcast, Strongly. where every week we pick a theme, and Ian and Joe bring two book recommendations. And, of course, we pick a winner just to piss one of them off and to <laughs> keep us on track. We have some show rules. Rule number one, only unavoidable spoilers, gentlemen. That might be tough with a 10-page short story. Short story. Mm. Uh, rule number two, omit needless words, Joe. It sounds like that won't be a problem today. And no. rule number three, only winning matters. Just keep that in mind, gentlemen. I want to add that we have, we have, of course, the shadow rules. They are the same every week. Say them with me. Get on the bus. Get off the bus. Ride the solve bus. Solve racism. Oh, solve racism. Dang it. Yeah, it's the third okay, one. It's sorry. a classic. Um, would you say we are a podcast of letters? Gentlemen, are, no, I'm going to just brush past that. Um, uh, is Hey, congrats on 100 episodes, hey. gentlemen. Hey, wow. 100 episodes. Congratulations. This is everybody. now technically we biffed it and this is actually our 100th episode. <laughs> we had a, a episode. We had a takeover, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. So this is actually. This Let's is just it. ignore it. Let's just move on. Yeah. No, just move on. Let's just pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. We we'll leave the commentary pretend, hey, to the hey. media. Uh, speaking of speaking of Green Bay Packers head coaches, there is a Green Bay Packers head coach who says, right. "I want to go. I want to go undefeated every week. Yeah, I want to go one and zero every wow. week. I think we should treat every episode like it's our first episode. Oh, I love okay. it. Win the day. Got to win the day. Bumble. Yeah, win the day. Bumble around. Act like we don't know what we're doing. Accidentally turn off our microphones. That's too much work. Uh, Joe, <laughs> do you want to take uh, thirty seconds to tell me what your short story is about, or read yeah. the first page, whatever you want? I'm to a do. little afraid I don't quite have thirty seconds worth of material here, so I'm going <laughs> to do this slow build up. Uh, Nick, a good man is hard to find, and please don't mistake this with the erotica novel. A hard man is good to find. Ooh. It's a oh, family boy. of Methodists nope. goes on a road trip. They take their grandma, and grandma sneaks along her cat. It's a perfect. Perfectly pleasant trip, but danger looms. In the newspaper, there have been stories of an escaped criminal in the region who calls himself the misfit. They go anyway. Bum, bum, bum. All right. I would love it if for for uh, short, epi- short story episodes, we'd have 20 seconds. All right. That'd be good. You know, that's mm, so good, Ian. Such a great idea. Oh, no. Provide um, value to this, wow. guy, this podcast. Thank God we have so many minds working at the improvement of this show. It's collaborative, really. Such We're collaborating lettered here. minds. Folks, um, Ian. You're, hearing, you're hearing genius in real time. <laughs> Ian, please, 30 seconds has already started a while ago. In everything that rises must converge, there is a racist. Well, actually, there's a lot of racist. And there is also a guy who's not a racist. He is the son of a racist. And we might think, huh, he's our hero. But, spoiler, he's not. He is judgmental and mean to his mother and so grouchy about how dreadful her racism is, he, spoiler, 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 and it's, I just say Flannery O'Connor, could you please, would it kill you to have a noble, good character for once? Why are they also nasty? Okay. <laughs> um, but this like, is the part of the episode right. where Ian directly addresses Flannery O'Connor. <laughs> yes. Let's what do you talk, guys know about seances? <laughs> can we get a seance drummed up right with the three of us here? Do you yes. think we could do a Ouija board over Skype? O'Connor, O'Connor, O'Connor. Oh, um, 
Well, I figure you guys don't have much to talk about. So let's just talk about the author for a little bit. What, uh, all right, please break it down for me in layman's terms. What is the problem? What is she doing? She's just a little racist, huh? That's a big one. That's, that's the number, one. number one, little racist. <laughs> number two, actually Count pretty me. racist. <laughs> number Count two, there's no such thing as the little racist. <laughs> um, I guess, the, Nick, when you, when you Google Flattery O'Connor, the very first th- thing that comes up is her Wikipedia page. The very second <laughs> thing that comes up is a New Yorker article called... It's a logo that says Google. And the third thing... <laughs> now, just the below ads, that... No, the second thing that comes up is an article from the New Yorker called How Racist Was Flattery O'Connor? Um, I read that article today. Turns out pretty, pretty racist. Okay, um, give, us and, the, and, and, give us the cliff notes. We don't have time to Google. What did you read? I mean, I, 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 read, this, I read the same article and I also read some of the background for the article. Um, okay. The article is based Ian, on... what did Joe read? <laughs> <What> did, <laughs> thank you. Joe read, uh, Joe read the article from the New Yorker. So the book is based on uh, the work of a Flannery, uh, Flannery O'Connor scholar. Say that five times fast. Uh, the book is called Rad- Radical Ambivalence, Race in Flannery O'Connor. And um, basically the book unpacks um, what's going on with basically the divide between O'Connor's public published um, sort of anti-racist material. And it's not just like it's not just like she includes, you know, good black characters and that's it. She's like actively calling out racism as a negative social force in a lot of her fiction. So there's that, but then there's also her correspondence where she is kind of maybe more showing uh, some of herself, some of um, her, her, uh, her true feelings, or maybe she's kind of doing a long-term play acting over letters. Um, it, there's there's a suggestion that some of her letters are sort of she's fictionalizing herself and that makes that makes it more complex i don't think the solution is to say she wasn't a racist because clearly she she expresses some uh some perspectives which are pretty disgusting um i think it, we we have that more or less as a as historical fact about her that she has these perspectives the question is how do we reconcile what do we do with somebody who writes powerfully anti-racist material and uses the n-word in her private correspondence yeah like it's it's such a beautiful it's such a beautiful like who the author or art or artist like the artist seems to have held disgusting beliefs the art isn't just okay it's not just like good quality the art engages directly with that racism and condemns it and it's like how bizarre I don't, she's, she's big into guilt. Okay. She's a Catholic. Um, <laughs> not to say that all Catholics are into right. guilt, right. alienating the Catholics this week. But Sorry, the cool Catholic. ones are. She, no, but, but like her, it's right her there in the Bible, writings, <laughs> Page one. Her writing and her, um, her sort of existence, uh, as, uh, as a, her existence as a writer, her existence in relationship to her writing. Um, she's very, very interested in, you know, people, you know, paying for, the, sin, the sins they've done, the sins other people have done, culpability. Um, is her literature real-time therapy for her? Well, actually, yeah. that's one of the things that this article talks oh, really? about and, and others talk about too, is that she kind of introduces writing herself into her stories. And so she is kind of excoriating or flagellating herself maybe 
for her own racist, like when she writes racist, nasty racists into her writing, there's a possibility she's writing herself into that writing and saying, look at how nasty you are, Flannery. Look at what a terrible uh, perspective you have. Why can't you think of black people as human beings? Why can't you? It's hard to imagine an author who can write so well. all, All that comes from empathy. You know what I mean? Like the ability to write, I think it's hard to believe that somebody with large amounts of empathy to be able to, you know, put yourself into a different character's mind and write from their perspective to like have such a blind spot. I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's, I know what you mean. And I think, yes, her writing is driven to some extent by empathy. The thing is, I was going to talk about this later, but I'll talk about it now. She, okay. We have to go into, into, uh, theology just a little bit here guys i did some research on catholic what catholics believe about the study of uncles yes theology study of uncles um so (laughs) (laughs) so catholics have this perspective about about human beings and evil the idea of depravity that people can do bad things people can like act in bad ways but the cat the mainstream catholic perspective is actually that if you if, if you want, you can do good things like human beings are capable of doing good things. So I, th- I would say in, in the sort of eternal struggle between Joe and myself about, mm. you know, where do we stand on on people being good? Joe would say Joe would oh. say, uh, yeah, like that idea that people can do bad things, but we are able to do good things. That is more kind of the, the way mainstream Catholic perspectives look. The alternative is from uh, a perspective called Calvinism. And Calvinism says human beings are absolutely incapable of doing good on their own. Human beings are, and that's kind of more where I skew. Like I look at the world and I say, as a realist who has his eyes open. Oh my God. (laughs) But like, so the the weird thing is that O'Connor is this, like she's notoriously Catholic. If you are an O'Connor scholar, you are also to some extent working on on Catholicism. Yeah. You are maybe at a Jesuit school. You are like the, the, the two go very much hand in hand. But even though she's so Catholic, she rejects this Catholic idea that people can do good things. Almost all of her characters just kind of do bad stuff. Yeah. Like even the good ones are grotesque. Even the good ones are like, like, ew. And that's a really weird thing. So you say, yes, she comes from a position of empathy. But honestly... I think she kind of comes from a position of disillusionment. Yeah. Oh, it's not that that's, <laughs> yeah, I can see that too. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's not that human beings are, are closely um, linked to she, she, she uh, inhabits like other people's minds and, and takes on different personas. She's like, Hey man, I've seen it all. Yeah. I, I, I've seen it all. Uh, I, I've known fear in a handful of dust. It's all, it's all dry. It's all rotten. It's all gross. And it should be said too, like, you know, when I first started reading about Flannery O'Connor, who before this week, I didn't know anything about really like this Mm -hmm. idea of like her Catholicism, Catholicism, Catholicism keeps coming up. And I thought, okay, is this just like applied by scholars after the fact? Like this just feels like, you know, whatever. But then I started reading about her own writing and she has lines where she's like, yeah, my belief is like the engine that makes my perception operate. She's like, if I were not a Catholic, I would have no reason to write. I would have no reason to ever feel horrified or enjoy anything. So I think a lot of this, a lot of her writing does feel like it's kind of her going, hey, I'm going to take some reprehensible people. I'm going to put them together. I'm going to test them and I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to see if they come out, you know, when they have their moment of grace or when they have their moment of possibility, what do they do? Right. 
And she keeps putting like she she keeps going like um uh sandbox style, like, okay, this guy, this archetype against that archetype, what happens? Oh, it's it's bad. What happens if we do this versus the oh that's bad, bad too? too. <laughs> it, it's like and like uh, so the weird bad. thing is you 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 understand like O'Connor's not gonna give you a, a, a sugary, sweet, happy ending, but it's it's so mesmerizing. What a beautiful like, slow build. You guys brought downers today. <laughs> um, okay, well, this better be some good ass writing. <laughs> um, in no particular order, Joe, you said 13 pages. That sounds nice and short. Pages. Why don't you tell us what yours is about? Yeah, absolutely. Nick, I would love to tell you what mine is about, but first, I have a game. Okay. Um, <laughs> This game is called, I actually, it's called Flannery OC is what this game is called. Terrible Flannery name. OC. Yeah. Uh, on brand. What this is, <laughs> is um, I have chosen a whole bunch of things that Flannery O'Connor is. Yeah. I'm going to give you a clue and you are going to fill in the C. All of these things are going to start with C. So letter C. C. Oh my okay. gosh. Perfect. Joe, you're so good at this. For example, I think you understand for the lit head at home. If I said a ton of Flannery O'Connor stories center around her faith, but even though she was from the South, don't call her a Baptist. She was a proud this. The answer is, of course, Nick. Cat owner. Um, <laughs> I was going to go with Chihuahua owner, but uh, the the right answer is not Catholic, but Flannery O Catholic. Do you see how the game oh, works? Oh, right? oh, oh, it's, it's Jeopardy rules. Yes, gotcha, gotcha. What is you cat, have to cat, do the okay. Flannery O Catholic? What okay. is Flannery O Catholic? Stick to it. Great. Um, I just want to note, Litheads, uh, for those of you playing at home, as we know you all <laughs> yeah, do. Yes. Um, Spotify, if you're listening on Spotify, they have uh, voice activation. Um, so you can. <laughs> <laughs> if you gonna shout test out a new feature. <laughs> if you shout the answers at Spotify, something might happen. Yeah, we're not we'll sure. If you're at work, you might get fired. Um, <laughs> it definitely works. But let Litheads. us know. Please play along. Please play all along. Right. All right. Um, this game, I think, is going to sketch out a brief biography of her life by the time we are finished. So um, Nick and Ian, before she was a writer, she mostly exercised her creative chops as this, drawing them for her high school and college newspapers. She is Flannery O. what? Yeah, oh, Ian. Ian, yes. Meow. That's my buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Flannery O cartoonist. She is a Flannery O cartoonist. In fact, in her. Uh, sorry, should we do this in like an Irish accent? It feels weird to be saying, oh, anyway. Don't question yourself. Just do the accent. Stupid. Joe, next <laughs> question. Um, so, Flannery O cartoonist, she um, was so renowned. I guess maybe renowned is a little strong of a word, but like when she was on campus, she was known for her cartoons. In her college yearbook, she's identified as Flannery O'Connor the famous cartoonist who brought us so much joy. Wow. Yeah. Um, she did do a little bit of writing for that college paper, but none of it was fiction. In fact, most of her prose was spent lambasting people in the social pages. You might say she was this. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> we would have to bleep it anyway. Yep. Uh, Nick, any guesses? Flannery O. 
Don't swear, Nick. It is not what you're thinking. Okay. I disqualify myself. All right. Ian, do you know this one? <laughs> yep. Ian. Flannery O'Columnist. Oh, I, I had Flannery O'Critic for this one. Flannery O'Critic. Okay. Um, I have a little quote from her. She was talking about fashion on campus, and she said, take sweaters, for instance. By now, they're practically standard. In fact, there's only two rules which govern their being worn. They must either be four sizes too large or three sizes too small. And since the only people who wear them um, three sizes too small are over 250 pounds, um, the oversized sweater is the only one to be considered. Wow. Wow. So, Flannery (laughs) O'Connor. Flannery O'Connor might say. Flannery O'Connor was not of hearty and hale body. She, she was, she was, uh, had some illness over her life. So unfortunately she suffered from poor health. Most of her adult life, she, she had a form of lupus. I'm sorry. This isn't funny. It's just funny that he put it into a game. Is it going to be Flannery O cancer? Uh, is that your guess? Are, no. Would you like to buzz in there? Flannery O cancer. Uh, it is not Flannery O cancer. Uh, please listen to the whole clue. It's a clue, Joe. I'm curious. <laughs> she had an autoimmune disorder that oh, would lead boy. to her early death. You might say she was this. Yes, Ian, Ian. Flannery O'Convalescent. Oh, I have Flannery O'Compromised. Immunocompromised. It sounds like she's a spy whose cover has been, whose Flannery cover has been blown. Oh, this is a problematic episode. <laughs> this is very problematic. All right, keep going. Got, no, no, Nick, Nick, Nick. What? We're, mo- we're laughing at the person who said the N-word a whole bunch. I so it's don't okay. think that is a thing. Keep going, Joe. All right. She was a bit of a homebody in life, but she wrote many, many letters that would be published after her death. She was quite the... Um, sorry? What? Uh, she wrote many letters that would oh. be published after her death. She was quite the. Yes, Ian. Flannery O conversationalist. Well, but if if you Co- have a conversation co- in no, letters, no, that's like if you correspondent. Oh, Flannery Flan- O correspondent. What is Flannery O correspondent? And while she is a beloved short story writer and an American icon, her letters have come under closer scrutiny lately, leading to the removing of her name from many buildings and things like that. She has been. <laughs> meow yes nick what is flannery oh canceled <laughs> she is flannery oh canceled uh, the only other thing that i couldn't work into this is oh, she amazing. there's a whole wikipedia entry uh, like a whole wikipedia section about her dedicated to her love of birds D- ian did you see this oh what is flannery oh cardinal Ooh, uh, f- yep good mm-hmm. good yeah it, uh, I couldn't quite get Flannery. You think this enough. game's going to end, and I'm here to tell you it's not. <laughs> Nick will be Nick will just be riffing on all of the points we bring up with C. Uh, C um, I couldn't quite get Flannery ornithologist to work. I thought it really broke the rules of the game, but I did like it. Um, so, Nick, I read this story. The uh, uh, good man is hard to find. And if you didn't quite catch what I said in the intro, essentially what happens is this. Uh, no spoilers. A family from Georgia goes on vacation to Florida. They take the car. It's mom, dad, two bratty kids, a baby, and grandma sitting in the backseat between the kids. The tension that's introduced early on in this story is grandma's reading the newspaper, and there's a, an escaped convict who is recently broken out of a prison, and they are heading right toward him. That's 
kind of the story. It's only 13 pages long. And I'm in mm. a very odd spot here because I, if I said like anything much else, else yeah. yeah, I think I'd be pretty deep into spoiler territory. Joe, does the, um, does the grandma die and they have to put her on the roof? Is that a, it's a different, is that, that's a different Southern Gothic story as a matter of fact. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I think all I'm thinking of is like Harry and the Hendersons or like Beverly Hillbillies. Don't it doesn't grandma ride the roof in the Beverly Hillbillies? That was a National Lampoon's reference about the dead grandma on the roof. Yeah. Thank you. That was a deep cut. And I didn't really explain it very well. Um, So that's pretty interesting. I feel the tension. Mm -hmm. Did you like it? Yeah. So it's uh, there's a couple things that I liked about this story. Number one. Ian, I bet you've read a lot of stories like this. Maybe not like this, but I feel like a lot of times when you read short stories, not that much happens in the short story, Mm. right? Like it's kind of this like mood or it's this, um, you know, this thing that's supposed to make you contemplate. The vibes. Right. That's exactly it. One of the things I liked about this story is in 13 pages, it packs a bunch of punch, right? Like it's like, I couldn't believe what happened in 13 pages. It is efficient. It is high, like action, maybe high tension. Certainly high drama. Is there anything else you can give us, Joe? Um, yeah, I've got some stuff. Um, they do a lot of Tennessee and Georgia bashing in it. <laughs> okay. See, uh, they say that Tennessee is a dumping ground for hillbillies, which was a line that kind of wow. made me laugh. She yeah. offends everybody, doesn't she? Well, to be fair, like she <laughs> puts those words. She is from Georgia. She puts those words in the mouth of a character who like can't be it is not like reliable for a variety of reasons. Right. Um, there's some really good brother and sister fighting. Like, you know, like, like I think she has this scene that really captures the nature of brothers and sisters on car rides. So for example, they start playing a game. You'll be familiar with this right away where one of them picks a cloud in the sky and says, what does that cloud look like? And the other one has to guess what the first person says that it looks like. Okay. Like yeah. that's the game. Yep. And Flannery O'Connor writes, they played a game by choosing a cloud and making the other two guess what shaped it suggested. John took one the shape of a cow and June, the sister, guessed that it was a cow. And John said, no, it was an automobile. And June said he didn't play fair. And they began to slap each other over the top of the grandmother. (laughs) I thought that was such a nice way to describe a car ride. That was perfect. Classic. That's Nick, a there's a house with a secret panel uh, that uh, that maybe or maybe does not hide the family silver. There's a there's a dirt road. Nick, dirt road. I'm writing it down. Yeah, I know how you love dirt roads. It's not clear if it's pro or con. <laughs> Favor there, Joe. Very good. Dirt road. Thank you. And it, there's like an intense climax. You know, like the last five pages of this 13 page story are are absolute page turners. <sighs> Nick. I, I know you might be un, un, unexcited about this, mm-hmm. but I want to remind you by by the law of you don't know that you are required to read at least one of these, right? And enjoy it. So no, that's not in the bylaws. <laughs> no, we, we amended it. We actually amended it when you were in looking. We had so. a meeting, and we do have a two thirds majority on this podcast. Yeah, we, uh oh, uh oh, <laughs> political humor coming in. Parliamentarianism. Um, <laughs> right, next, yeah, it's about a bunch of other stuff. It's about like moral codes and class and goodness and salvation. Uh, like it's it's got all that stuff. Oh, the one thing that I kind of liked. Um, this is in my research for this. Flannery O'Connor uh, routinely gets brought up as uh, like a grotesque 
writer, right? Or, or as a writer who like shows like the bad parts of humanity. And she's got this wonderful line where she says, anytime I write something that's true about the South, Northern readers accuse it of being grotesque is what she says. Mm, She says, yeah, she's like, only when I write false things, did they then think I'm writing the truth about the South, which I thought was pretty interesting and kind of showed some bias and uh, I don't know. Is there room for self-deprecation anymore? That's the question. (laughs) Can I not rip on Wisconsin? This place is terrible. (laughs) I think it's just fine. Oh no, it's really good. It's really great place. Is it? It I don't know. The lake is really nice. It is. It's recently turned into pretty nice for the most part, but just one-on-one. It's recently turned into spring in Wisconsin and um, it's like those type of spring days that make you feel alive for the first time after a long and cold winter. So it's, I think there's a lot to like about Wisconsin like this particular week. Leadheads, if you are in Wisconsin this week (laughs) and you see Nick with a big frowny face. (laughs) Which you mean two weeks ago. I think this is an interesting story um, because it comes during the part of her career when she's still writing kind of plot focused mm-hmm. sort of more more explicitly gothic stuff sure. later on she gets more philosophical my story is kind of from that from where less wacky stuff happens um joe is there a is there a wooden leg in yours there is not a wooden there's, a yeah, there's, there's a different story there's a different story with um with a, a wooden leg uh a guy with a, a guy with a false leg and it's pretty gross and it's pretty um not the not the wooden leg the whole story um it the, the whole like but it's it's part of this very grotesque, very gothic things actually happen in my story. It's a bus ride and somebody has a health issue. That's the that that is the entire story. <laughs> yeah. So like is your story 13 pages long? That's what I was going to ask. Uh, it's, it's actually shorter. So <laughs> Whoa! That helps. bury the lead. <laughs> Gentlemen, I don't know if you heard about it, but it's the big oh, awards. Oh, oh, I think I heard they're going to give uh, a posthumous Oscar to uh, You Don't Know Lit. <laughs> are you going to kill us? What are you talking about? <laughs> and make a movie? <laughs> well, like in, in like 800 years when we finally end this media empire, they're going to give us a posthumous Oscar. They already got a plan. They announced it. Okay. I heard we were banned from the Oscars for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> that too. They, they really can't figure out their story. The Newberry Award, Nick, as anybody who's been in an elementary school library will know, it's that big shiny metal that they put on the front of uh, young and middle grade books. It's the most prestigious ward in children's literature and it is 100 years old this year uh this is this is a theme suggested uh by Jeanette Oxner thank you Jeanette for this theme uh I will read in honor of the John Newberry medal I will read a book published in 2000 in 2000 it won the medal in 2001 but it was published in 2000 it's called a year down yonder it's a by Richard Peck and boys if you're uh, feeling down, I got a Great Depression for you. Oh boy, here we go again. <laughs> it's a Great Depression novel. There are trains. There's a cat named Bootsy. 
and um, it's going to be a grand old time. I'm looking forward to reading this and talking about it. That's classic. That's classic. And and I am bringing the second E.L. Kongersberg novel. Uh, obviously, you litheads remember her from the mixed up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler. She won the Newberry for this one, though, and it is about a sixth grade teacher and the academic bowl team that she puts together, which Ooh, I... Riveting stuff. I will look forward to celebrating. Hey, litheads. Pour one out for the Newberry Medal tonight. It's their birthday. Pour 100 out. What? Yeah, honestly, go <laughs> get 100 bottles of the most... Go to the store. Fancy champagne. I'm excited. She does this She does this thing where... I think Joe, Joe uh, mentioned it. She does this thing where she just packs so much suggestion and evocation into a short... I'm going to, I'm going to read a a brief passage so you guys can see, so you guys can hear what this sounds like. And you get a sense of these characters. Very, this is a short little paragraph. She was almost ready to go standing before the hall mirror, putting on her hat while he, his hands behind him appeared pinned to the door frame, waiting like St. Sebastian for the arrows to begin piercing him. The hat was new and had cost her $7 and a half. She kept saying, maybe I shouldn't have bought that, paid that for it. No, I shouldn't have. I'll take it off and return it tomorrow. I shouldn't have bought it. And so like we, we don't, from this paragraph, we don't know who she is and who he is, what their relationship is. He is her son. Um, but there's so much kind of suggested there, implied his waiting, his, his physical st- uh, stance, standing, uh, 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 he, his hands behind him, appeared pinned to the doorframe. She compares him to St. Sebastian, who is this figure from, a strange figure from from saints. He's a Catholic saint who, his thing was getting shot a bunch of times by arrows, and he's always depicted <laughs> as almost kind of sexually enjoying it. Oh, he's like, God. yeah, shoot me with more arrows. But like, this is a, this is a great image, because as we'll discover in the course of this story, our main character, Julian, Yes, he is tortured by how kind of racist and dreadful his mother is, but he also loves her and feels like he's yeah. responsible for uh, uh, not responsible. Um, he, he He's indebted to her because she took care of him and paid his way through college. And so this this relationship is just so nicely, cleanly captured in a relatively short and her voice when she talks about the, the hat, you can almost hear her tone yeah. of voice. As she says, maybe I shouldn't have paid that for it. No, I shouldn't have. I'll take it off and return it tomorrow. I shouldn't have bought it. It's repetitive. You can't imagine it kind of being mumbled to herself. She's a really, O'Connor really understands how to tell stories efficiently. Yeah, efficiently, effectively. Like, I, it's unbelievable how dense this short this story was and how much happens in those 13 pages. I wish more authors, you know. Got yeah, to the just point. It. Rule number two. Yeah. Ian, what is your short story about? Yeah, so in my short story, um, I, I mentioned Julian. He's our main character. He has a mother. They have a really complicated relationship. As I mentioned, he cares for her, but he also feels like he's disgusted by her um, in, a, in a lot of different ways. Um, she dresses like kind of poorly. She has really old-fashioned, silly. She's, she's caught in the past. Um, Physi- physically, it's a time travel. Yes, she's she's a time traveler, and he hates that. About <laughs> O'Connor is being uh, uh, brave in uh, opening new ground in terms of what if a character hated time travelers? Is she related to John Connor from the Terminator? It's weird, but 
but she is actually uh, Sarah Connor. Oh, she is. It's revealed. Sarah that's O'Connor. The twist. I didn't want to spoil it, but yeah. Uh, so she she is she is uh, kind of gross and she has really old fashioned ideas stuck in the past kind of as uh, remembering nostalgia won't let go of things. She's also hugely massively volubly racist. And this story takes place after the buses have become integrated. So they're on the bus in their town and she has to take the bus to the YMCA where she's going to like do a swimming class for her health. And she's like, Hey, I'm not going to go by myself because those people will be on the bus. Julian come with me. And Julian is like, I'm fine with black people. Um, I think integration was a good thing. And so he's grouchy. He has to go with her. He's grouchy that he has to be with her in public when she's being like volubly racist to other she's like she gets in the bus and pretty quickly she's talking about those people again. It's just like it's very cringeworthy. And I think this is what a good example of the difficulty of of O'Connor. She makes this racist character not like she's she's annoying and and silly and patronizing Um some black people get on the bus and the way that this mother interacts with them is just so cringeworthy. And then at the end, she's, there's a little, a little black boy and they get all get off the bus at the same time. And she's like, I'm going to give that black boy a, a penny, a nickel. I can't find a nickel. I'll give him a penny. So she tries to give him a penny. And his mom is like, we don't need your pennies. Get away from him. Like concerned for her son. And the mother is like, shattered by this and the son is like yeah serves you right that's what you get for being a huge racist and and then tragedy strikes i'm not gonna spoil oh no (laughs) (laughs) um okay hey and then arnold schwarzenegger shows up naked and and runs people if you want to live When was she around? When was this? When did this all take place? When did your shorts come out? When was she alive? Yeah. This is when another interesting she- part of the whole the whole shebang is that we talk about her like, oh, she's a product product of her time. But she was working uh, in the 40s and 50s and especially the 60s. So my story first came out in uh, 61, when it, which is when it won the O. Henry Award. And then uh, it came out again. It was published in a collection uh, later in that decade. So she's work like she is contemporaneous with the Beatles with yeah. Martin yeah. Luther King. <laughs> so like we think of her as like oh this little old lady, this yeah. little old white Southern lady writing old kind old fashioned stories. But it, it's 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 modern. It's recent. Well, and 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 also like she was not an old lady when she published this in 1961. She died at 37 years old, 39 years old. She died quite young. Yeah, 39. 39. Speaking of judging people uh, based on the way they look, let me just pull up some photos of her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she looks like a racist. (laughs) She actually looks like my grandma. (laughs) No. no. Who was not a racist. Grandma Jerry's, if you're listening, uh, don't get on any buses. If she's listening, we have some crazy ass shit going on. (laughs) Time travel style. (laughs) I have one more thing to say about my story, and that's, that's this wonderful, wonderful title. Everything that rises must converge. It's a good title. What do you think? Oh, converge. Like, oh, converge. Yes, everything that rises must. Everything that rises must all converge. <laughs> what do you think that means? Like, if someone says to you in a philosophical way, "Everything that rises must converge," what does that mean? What do you think? 
uh, the O'Cream rises to the top. Is that what it kind of means? Like, okay. Yeah. Joe, what do you I think? Don't know, I just have this image of like things coming up and like, yeah, like running into each other where it's yeah. just like, look, if, if these things keep coming up, like there's going to be a conflict at some point or at a certain point, they're going to run into each other. Right. Okay. I love that. So she's, she is by this point in her career, she's kind of left the sardonic, irony she's not so ironic as she used to be she's really into oh she's getting older she has to get a little more sincere <laughs> she's all she's yeah. she's all of 32 years yes. old but um so she is um she's getting to kind of she's kind of moving beyond the irony um but there is some irony this might be this phrase might be something that a white supremacist might say like oh all the, like the cream rises to the top if you are naturally uh privileged oh wait that's what i said <laughs> i'm i'm nick i'm I'm taking what you said and applying it to i'm applying it to the white supremacist the racist ideas that this mother would espouse here's the thing though this comes from a of course catholic a catholic philosopher a jesuit philosopher who is using this to talk about good change he says this is part of his uh one of his his essays he says remain true to yourself but move ever upward toward greater consciousness and greater love. At the summit, you will find yourselves united with all those who from every direction have made the same ascent for everything that rises must converge. And so he's saying his idea is more love, more peace, more understanding, um, very almost kind of Zen type thing. And if we if we all strive for the good, then we will end up converging, as Joe mentions with his hand motion, will converge in, in, in a positive conclusion. This is happy. O'Connor says everything that that happens is going to converge, but it's not rising. It's like a downward convergence. Sure. Where like all the all the bad stuff kind of swirls around in a toilet bowl of misery. <laughs> Falls into a pit, gathers at the bottom. And even when we hope that a racist is going to learn a lesson about racial justice, about racial identity, she's going to learn not to be condescending to a little black boy. She's going to learn to treat black people like their people. Even when we hope that this is going to happen, what actually happens is not some kind of beautiful, mysterious joy of people at the top of the mountain. No, tragedy strikes and uh, she, minor spoiler, she doesn't learn her lesson. (laughs) So it's like, it's like to go back to what we were talking about with her working through her stuff, like her all of all of O'Connor working through all of O'Connor's issues. It's it's kind of a little bit hopeless. She's titling this story about a failure of learning sardonically. Oh, yeah. Everything that rises must converge. No, everything that uh, everything that goes into the toilet bowl must eventually be flushed down. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's pick a winner. <laughs> oh boy, can somebody read a quote from somebody else? <laughs> <laughs> a quote from, um Nick, I have just uh, read I, me the wordle for today. <laughs> I, I kind of want to read can, can I read you um the Wikipedia section about her enjoyment of birds? It, it's that would be great. Yeah. 
Oh, for sure. Right. Uh, Ian, you lose. Uh, Joe, um, Ian, uh, tell the Litheads that we're sorry for talking about this author and that also they should... Um... Litheads, I'm not sorry we talked about this Ooh, author. I think it's just a really good Are you ready for that, Litheads? It's a good conversation and it's part of... I, I think these are some of them, uh, the most interesting episodes. So I'm not sorry we talked about her. I agree. I'm glad we, we discussed the complexity of her sort of anti-racist public work and her rather racist private work. I think that's useful and, and valuable. Um, read some Flannery O'Connor. Be ready for kind of what that entails, but it's, it's really, it's really good literature and I would highly recommend it or don't. And that's fine too. Couple of things for you to do, Litheads. First, you can follow us on social media at you don't know lit on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Um, you could suggest a theme over at our website, which is you don't know lit podcast.com. I also want to remind you uh, while you're there to put in your request for free stickers. <laughs> we have our first ever, our first ever, you don't know lit swag that is available uh, for free. We will send it. No shipping, no handling, mm-hmm. no processing we fee, put, no convenience put a stamp fee. on an envelope and it shows Zero. up at your door. And you know what? You might even get a little handwritten note from one of us. No promises. So um, we would love to run out of these stickers. We'd love for you to stick them all over your laptops and your water bottles and various roadside signs. Mm-hmm. Graffiti your town mm-hmm. with them. Really canvas your neighborhood with them. Yeah. Yeah. Get them out there. Uh, these make great gifts. Because it it shows, hey, here's something which you can have, which I definitely invested time in. Uh, I also want to take a little personal moment to plug a book that I uh, helped to create. Um, The Royal Shakespeare Company is the foremost Shakespeare theater in England. Some would say the world. They might be a little bit wrong about that. But the RSC is legit. And uh, I am a co-editor for the new edition of the complete works of William Shakespeare uh, by the RSC published by uh, in, in association with the RSC. So this is available for a relatively reasonable price uh, here in the United States. As of uh, a few days ago, um, I was involved in the making of this and it would mean a lot to me. I won't get any money from it uh, because that's not how academic publishing works, but will it would we, mean a lot to me. Will we? Uh, no, you guys will what? not. <laughs> Due to a weird contract situation, actually, Nick, you... Nick get to give some money to Joe for every book I sell. This is amazing. Um, He's not a contract lawyer, folks. (laughs) Life changing for Joe. I don't know how we got that into the contract. Um, It would mean a lot to me if you would, if you would seek that out. Uh, So if you, if you Google RSC Shakespeare, we might share the, the uh, social media posts in our, in our feeds this week and so on and so forth. Um, Grab yourself a copy. Uh, Congratulations to Joe and to the Leadheads, And most of all, to the bird, the bird the lover herself, yeah. Flannery O'Canceled. When she was six years old, O'Connor experienced her first brush with celebrity. Pathé News filmed little Mary O'Connor with her trained chicken and showed the film around the country. She said, When I was six, I had a chicken that walked backwards and was in the news. I was in it too with the chicken. I was just there to assist the chicken, but it was the high point of my life. Everything since has been anti-climax. In high school, when the girls were required to sew Sunday dresses for themselves, O'Connor sewed a full outfit of underwear and clothes to fit her pet duck and brought the duck to school to model it. As an adult, she raised and nurtured some 100 peafowl. Fascinated by birds of all kinds, she raised ducks, ostriches, emus, toucans, and any sort of exotic bird that she could obtain. (laughs) Not a good quote. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. It's not so quotey. 